This is a list of the first Māori ministers, the group of first Māori ministers at the first synod of the Diocese of Waipu in 1861. So William Williams was the bishop, his brother Henry is uh, the guy that helped to write the Treaty of Waitangi. William was uh, also responsible for some of the first Māori dictionaries and he made his way down here to become bishop of this area. Um, And so within this grouping there's a list of names here. There are people like uh, Roto Waitua, who's the first Māori priest. Um, Hakaraya Mahuika, that's a misspelling there. Mohiture, who I talked about before. Uh, The Reverend uh, Rani Rakafia, who's the first Tairawhiti priest. Um, Just wonderful names that were involved in in the founding of the Waipu Diocese here. So our experience of the Anglican Church has been, on balance, actually a really good one. It was founded mostly by Māori. Reverend Don Tamihire is Bishop of Te Tairawhiti under Te Hahi Mihingari, or the Anglican Church. The region he presides over covers Portugirua in the north, near Cape Runaway, Gisborne, Hawke's Bay area, and just before the Wararapa. His predecessor was the Archbishop Brown Tuday, who died in January this year. So this mm. used to be Most Reverend Brown Tuday's office. Yeah, I, I quite, haven't quite brought myself to, to take the nameplate off. Take the yes. name off the door. And I might stay there for a while. Oh, you know, like, Bishop Brown had this way of telling you by not telling you. Um, you, you never felt controlled or limited. You always felt backed with Bishop Brown. Um, and, you know, he extended a high level of trust, you know, and oh. so... And if anything, I think he'd want us to repeat that. Reverend Don enjoyed a close relationship with Bishop Tuday. He says for the past decade he was his shadow. He learned a lot from him in that time. The most important was to keep things simple. Today his name is still on the door of his office at Te Raukahikatea House in Gisborne, which is where I met him for a chat about his work, whānau and faith. The Tairawhiti context is quite special because Whakapono is part of our DNA. So, you know, if we, we grew up around Marae, um, in front of Marae, behind Marae, in Marae, and uh, Whakapono is, is um, inseparable from the tikanga of the Marae. And most of the Marae at home uh, kind of have a three-whare system. So you have your whare nui, you know, the wānanga, the tipuna. You have your whare kai, which mm. is the whare manaki. And you have your Farekarakia uh, in most places, and um, that's a 200-year history here now. And and so the Fakapono is always a part of your life. Karakia is always present, um, but it's something that you can kind of take for granted. So it's one thing growing up uh, with it and influenced by it. And we'll feature a few highlights of an ordination ceremony attended by Bishop Tamihire. Whenever people came into the presence of God and saw God for the first time. Whenever people saw angels that were sent from heaven, the first three words that were spoken in those encounters was always, do not be afraid. In this Tiahika series, we feature an insight into whakapono or religion. This week, Te Hahi Mihingare, the Anglican Church.
Oh, tēnā atu koe, uh, ko Don Tommy here to talk with um, uh, me. Me ki pēne ake au, uh, nō te Tairāwhiti, uh, nō Ngāti Pro. Um, my name's Don, I'm from Tairāwhiti here. I'm born in Gisborne. Uh, Engari, if I get to put my au, uh, i roto i Ngāti Pro, I grew up on the coast. Um, my father was a mechanic with the Ministry of Works, so he was based there. My mother was a teacher aide. Um, and we had, you know, extended whānau. My father grew up in Rotorua with his grandparents on the family farm. So my childhood revolved around those areas. I spent time in Tapuya, Rotorua, um, later as a teenager in Tokomaru Bay. And so the mm. first 20 years of my life was spent in those little villages. Born in 1972, by the age of 12, he was confirmed in the church. The tikanga in the, the Anglican churches. Um, we we allow for infant baptism. Yes. And the thing with infant baptism is that it's the whānau making the commitment, not necessarily the child. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. It's a good tikanga. But um, when the child comes of age, um, traditionally 12 or 13 or so, I mean, that, that mirrors the the Hebrew tikanga as well. Oh. And they have bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah. It's a very similar thing. Um, confirmation is when... Uh, this young person begins to take responsibility for their own faith. And so when I began to ask those questions, it was uh, explained to me, and it made me realise, actually, I can have a say in this and get to know it a bit more. How did your parents feel about that? Oh, well, they were fine. I mean, they, they were not necessarily the most uh, church-going whānau. But uh, again, a, a, a quite a, a neat thing in Tairawhiti is that being part of the whakapono and having a church identity is not necessarily premised on a Sunday service. So, um, you know, you challenge any of these whānau and they'll tell you they believe and they'll tell you they're mihingare and they'll tell you they're proud of and being a part of the church. And, and when the big events come around in their lives, they want a minister there. They may not necessarily turn up to church on a Sunday. That's a, a particular trait and attribute, I think, of the Anglican Church in Tairawhiti, that it does a lot on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday as well. You'll find us on Marae, you'll find us where whānau are gathered. So our own church identity is, is far greater than just the whare karakia. In Te Tairawhiti, would the masses really see your work on a Sunday? Would you go into homes during the week? or Typically, um, the face of the Anglican Church, the Māori Anglican Church in Tairawhiti, are the whānau that we call minita āiwi, the voluntary priests that work up and down in our communities. And... Now, these uh, people are typically kaumātua, kuia, um, so they have a central role in Māori community anyway. Mm, mm. Um, and so, you know, if they're a, a hui at marae, they begin with karakia, they end with karakia. And some of the, the, the greater, I guess, moments of our tikanga are things like tangihana and stuff like that. And so uh, a minister will hold court on the marae and provide a, a tikanga, a liturgy, a framework to help move the whānau through the process. Um, and so they're trusted leaders, they're loved leaders. Um, and those are the moments when they're seen by the most people and interacting with the most people. And they might then go to church on a Sunday and have 20 people there, you know. So um, yeah. Sunday services for us, um, as it works out, aren't necessarily the, the major application of what we do, even though it's important to yeah, us. Yeah. But being out there amongst the people and out there in the field is far more important, I think. Under Te Pihopatanga o Aotearoa, there are five core regions. Te Tairawhiti, 
te manawa o te whiki o the Bay of Plenty and the Waikato region, te Taitokiro in Northland, te Upoko o te Ika, Wellington and te Waipaunamu in the South Island. I asked Bishop Tamihere about the number of followers in Te Tairawhiti. If you go by the census, there's something like 17,000 um, Māori in this region that identify. identify as being mihingare, and you certainly see that play out. Um, so, you know, when you have major hui, um, iwi gatherings, civic gatherings, they, you know, they expect that the hai mihingare would be there amongst them. Um, typically, uh, on a Sunday, I imagine... Up and down the coast, it'll only be a number of hundreds, I guess, that go to church. But um, So it's a small percentage of those that identify. A lot of our church buildings are in communities where people used to live. Because of the urban drift, yeah. they moved away from their small towns. That's right. It must have impacted quite heavily on the church. Oh, look, um, you know, I've been told recently that uh, a demographer out of the States, I think, Ian Poole, he said that um, urbanisation in the 50s, uh, was the largest deliberate movement of a single people, um, percentage-wise in terms of percentage of population uh, uh, at the time. And so for Māori, that's dramatic. You know, if you're talking high percentages, 70 to 80% of us are shifted. And when you move us away from that, that three-whare community yeah. centre, um, they're away from Marae, they're away from whare karakia, that has a huge impact on the way that they identify themselves in the way that they express themselves. Um, and the church has been, I guess, on the tail end of that movement. Uh, so here in, in my region, the urban centres are Gisborne, Napier and Hastings. Mm. Um, and we don't really own churches in those centres. All of our churches are in uh, rural settings still. And um, part of that is to do with the way the Anglican church was restructured. So um, typically, yeah, we... We went for the kaupapa, but the facility and the resource didn't follow. So we, we are having to re-approach um, our mission and to begin building like our ancestors did and developing whare where communities are now. When Don was 19 years old, he attended Teneko Bible College at Paraparaumu, and it was here that he experienced a clash of cultures. Um, that was run by the Apostolic Church at the time. We had a, a wonderful youth work up the coast. Um, so I was really drawn to it, um, and that's where I got, I guess, an initial grounding in biblical studies and stuff. But one thing I noticed that they struggled with at the time was um, dealing with Māori culture. So because they hadn't really, really worked through that, uh, the default language of their version of, of church was really English, and mm. the default expression was really Western. And for someone like me who grew up on the coast, that wasn't really cutting it. Um, and so I looked back to my roots and to uh, the Anglican Church. And one of the, the wonderful things about the Tairawhiti experience of Christianity is that uh, the people that first brought the message here were Māori. So Piripito Matakura in 1834 and the generations that followed him. And because they were Māori, the medium of conversation and teaching about this uh, religion was Māori. And then the development of the karakia was Māori. So um, we immediately got rid of any um, tension or controversy around culture because it was non-negotiable, it was without question. And certainly in, in our reading of Scripture, Jesus was very much the same. You see little comments about him 
for instance, attending a synagogue every Sunday because it was his custom, his tikanga. So the idea that God would become flesh, would become incarnate, really means that he takes on all of the humanity and all of the culture of his people, and he expressed himself through that. And so we reflect that in, in our version of Christianity. So mm-hmm. we have a saying here, we weren't converted, we adopted it. Um, and it added that wonderful extra dimension to what we already were. Um, so for me, ultimately I was drawn back to that, and I was drawn in um, by great mentors. So um, for young people that I think are interested in ministry, um, mentorship is the key. Relationship with the elders is the key. Um, Jesus modelled that. Um, the Bible word for it is discipleship. Um, really in Tao Māori, that's whanaungatanga, you know, it's relationship. Uh, so, you know, my early mentors, guys like Pastor Arthur Baker, um, Reverend Brent Swan, who was a great priest, and then uh, Archdeacon uh, Hone Ka had a huge, mm. huge influence over my life. Because you spent some time in Auckland. Yes, I did. I, I lived there for about eight years. Um, got married there, worked there for a couple of years, but got drawn into St. John's College um, when Hone Ka was the senior oh. priest there. Yes. Um, he married my wife and I, he baptised um, my children. Um, we spent a lot of time in his house. My brothers lived with him. And Hone uh, is the brother of um, Kiri. Yeah, Kiri Khan. Yeah. That's yeah. His, uh, author, sister. well-known author, Kiri. Yeah, and they're, they're a particular brand that far. <laughs> yes, um, I've sat in her fuddy and yeah, talked yeah. about the many photos on her walls. Oh, look, and... absolutely. And they've got this wonderful creativity, this wonderful kind of centeredness in who they are. So they're very lonely to get. They're very hatepe, um, they're very um, mutuawa, and you know my whanau grew up across the river, so it's something that I can relate to and, and understand. And uh, Horne particularly had a great way of articulating how all of that could culminate into an expression of Christian faith. In 1980, as part of the series Te Punawai Kōrero, the late Whaingata interviewed Archdeacon Horne Ka. His work as Māori missioner for the Anglican Church brings him into contact with his people at tangis, seminars and other functions. He now talks about the role of the missioner. Basically his task is to act as the listening post for the Anglican Church, uh, not just for the Diocese of Auckland, but also for the Bishopric of Aotearoa. Not just a listening post, but uh, a point from which uh, the church might begin to see itself in that you know, total sort of urban area we know as Auckland um, to try and find out just exactly what the church can do, whether it can say anything uh, at all within that community. And have you found the, the role of Māori Mission a, a changing role in modern society? Oh, very much so. Uh, when I came here, it was very much um, an establishment in that uh, it was a plant that was already set up. It already had a defined role. Uh, You were very much the pastor in terms of visiting the sick, um, visiting people at home, uh, caring for those elders who who belong to the place, uh, and generally sort of doing the the Band-Aid things, like uh, uh, fulfilling people's physical needs when they came, taking the tangis, uh, visiting the sick in hospital. Uh, that's what it started off as, and along with that has come a development of our of of our marae, tataihono, as a sort of cultural pivot as well. 
so that it's more than just a church thing, it's as much a cultural thing as it is a religious thing. On the 7th of April at Waikari Marae in Tauranga, Bishop Don attended the ordination of Wiremu Piripi Ananea to the diaconate and Reverend Matthew Francis Best's ordination to priesthood. And so we have to ask the question today, when the sacred presence of God comes to this place, when those that have been called to ministry kneel to be ordained, and to respond to the call that God has placed on them. We have to ask this very important question. What on earth is God thinking? Why has God called these two people? Why has God called any of us? What exactly is God looking for? You know, it seems more often than not when God goes looking for people to serve, for people to lead, for people to be his voice to the nations. Within the Bible, we see that more often than not, God went looking for a certain kind of person. At the ordination, I met with Reverend Monatikani, who was priest in charge at Tauranga Moana Mission. My husband lives here in Tauranga, so this is where I live, my home is. Um, we got married in 1967, nearly 50 years married this year. But I only came back to the Mihinari Church in the last five or six years. So why the long absence? Been um, following my husband, which we do as Māori women, <laughs> follow our husbands, and uh, always went to the Baptist Church. But when Hati uh, became sick over at the Ohawiti uh, Church, the, the Anglican Mihinari Church, we decided to go and help him, and I went over there, and it was like going home again. If we can talk a bit about your upbringing, how did religion play a part? Now, when we were kids, my my nanny, she uh, was Ringatu, so she brought us up as Ringatu. But because her family was so huge, she had 21 children, two to her first husband and 19 to the second husband, and uh, because she had so many mokopuna and uh, they weren't doing things the way the ringatū were doing them, it was so hard to follow that, that kawa, um, she decided to go to the Mihinari church. So she just changed her... She changed her completely religion. over years. Her and my kuru. So this is your grandmother? Yes. So then your mum also... My mum was uh, Ratara. My dad was Mihinari. So we, we, we went with our dad because our mum had a big accident when we were children. So my dad brought us up, really. So we followed him. Um, when my mum was young, she got hurt in a car accident. So we followed the, the Mihinari way after that because that's when my dad, I saw my dad get on his knees and ask God to allow my mum to live because they didn't think she would after being in a coma for two years. So, um, and she lived, and he served, his promise to God was he'd serve him for the rest of his life. So he became a Mehinare minister. 
Cannon in the Mehinata Church down in the Wanganui area, going down to Pipariki and all those places down the Awa. This was your dad? Yes. Just want to just yes. make, make sure so I'm clear. Was my following after him. And your mum was in a coma for two years? Two years, yeah. Seven operations on the brain, and they told us she'd never live. And when we saw that she lived and that she started to walk and talk again, because she had to learn everything, we just saw the power of God moving in our family. And you don't forget that. When I had my daughter, they told me the same thing. I said, no, I've been here before. My mum was here. My daughter's here now, and God's going to let her live. And she's still alive. She's 37. They told me she wouldn't live when she was a baby. So I've had these miracles in my life. I know God is real. I spent most of my life in Mangaweka. That's where my mum got hurt, and I brought up our children, my brothers and sisters. Then I went to Turukina. Uh, my dad wanted me to get away to school so I wouldn't have to look after these children, you know, and get an education. And then I, after I came out of boarding school, I married my husband, George, mm. from Taranga, here. So we lived just down the road on uh, land that was given to us by our Uncle Turi Tikani. Yes, so, so we're what's very your, blessed. What's your maiden name, Mum? Hawera. Hawera. Yeah, H-A-W-I-R-A. And where's your hapu and iwi? My hapu? Your iwi and wea. My iwi is uh, Natirangi, and my marae is uh, Namokai, down in Karioi, and Natirangi mai in Turangi. Kapai. So, mm. Moana, obviously you are um, dressed with your collar, and so when did you go back? You went back to the church a few years ago, very yes. quite recently. Yes. What's your role in, in the church? I am, at the moment, priest in charge of Taranga at All Saints Church at Mangotapu. Uh, Chris, who is our missioner, he has gone back to Gisborne. So you're taking in the uh, I've taken the role in, of all in. of this. <laughs> wow. uh, it's a huge role and um, it's a big responsibility. But God is, God has been good. Back to Terokahikatia House in Gisborne, which the church own. In recent years, they extended the building to include meeting rooms and extra space. The walls of the house display portraits of the Anglican clergy. You've got um, the Reverend Fred Bennett, first uh, Bishop of Aotearoa, um, his successor, Wurumu Pānapa, from up north. He was a Greek scholar too um, and helped up Ngata with the translation committee. Him and uh, Dan Tehihi Ka from Rangitukia, who was a Hebrew scholar. Um, so, you know, these guys were powerhouse thinkers eh, and brought a lot of mana to the work that they did. Um, Manuhuya Bennett, who I knew, uh, son of Frederick, just a wonderful, great statesman, highly experienced priest. He actually spent time over in Hawaii as a vicar of a parish there. And, um, you know, I got to know him in his later years, and he just said this wonderful grace in Ahu about him. Um, of course, he was followed by Bishop Whakahuihui Verka. Um, I was at Waitangi in 1990, 17 years old, when he uh, delivered his famous koha uh, in the presence of the Queen, challenging her to honour the treaty. I have fond memories of being summoned over to his office in Rotorua and encouraged to uh, you know, keep taking the next step. There's a whole group of us uh, young ministers, people like uh, Hirini Ka. Um, and others, my brother Michael um, Tamihiri, 
they were kind of, you know, encouraged by Bishop Hui to, you know, walk the path and, mm. and make, make a difference. Um, and it's a picture of Bishop Hui's uh, consecration in 81 uh, at Ohinemutsu. And uh, here in 1992 is some of the, the big changes that Bishop Hui Furko brought to our church when he split up Aotearoa into five areas. Oh, and, okay. Um, and so the first three here uh, were uh, Wurumu Ture, Brown Ture, as Bishop of Tairawhiti, uh, Bishop Muru Walters, uh, former Māori All Black and fantastic artist and thinker, uh, Bishop of Tiupokotika down in Wellington, Taranaki, and of course um, Ben Tehara, um, Waioho Tehara, was the Bishop of Taitokara, a wonderful man. And um, you know, his grandfather actually signed the treaty up there in Waitangi. And wonderful guys. And so in 1992, our church completely restructured itself, its constitution, so that we would have three autonomous streams, Tikonga Māori, Tikonga Pākehā, and of course the Diocese of Polynesia, Tikonga Pacifica. And we, we, we continue to work as that threefold structure. So there we go. There's a few photos on the walls. Oh, what, what's this carving above the oh, door? Look, um, <laughs> that was gifted to me at my ordination. 11th of March 2017. Yeah, there you go. And it's so in the middle of it, it's got the uh, what's known as a tea, a baler for the waka, a metaphor that our elders used for the salvation that Jesus brings to our waka. He helps to bail us out when we need it. And um, the, the, the two wings of the carving represent myself and my wife, so, and also represent Tairawhiti. So on the right hand side, you have me and, and Hirota waka, um, and you have Paikia the whale. Uh, the whale rider, and then on the left you have Takitimu Waka, and Takitimu represents, my wife is Samoan, and Takitimu was made in Samoan by Fatunga, and so that represents her as well. Um, the shark um, is the saying, Koi mate whike, kia mate ururua, and uh, the carvers told me that that commemorates a coho that I preached on that topic um, about 10 years ago. Oh. And then the birds up on, up on top, on the left is the Manuma, a Samoan bird, and on the, the right is the kahu, a Māori bird, and they represent um, the twin sons that my wife and I lost a few years ago. Um, so the carvers put a lot of thought into this to represent um, our journey and where we're going. So, yeah, I, I've hung it above my door just to remind me um, where I'm going and uh, what I should be doing. Whakapono Māori, whether you're mihingare like us or you're ratana or your ringatū or your trying to develop a return to being tūturu Māori, whatever that is for you. At the end of the day, it has to return to a point where you can hold kōpapa and wāru you in front of you that have a positive influence on life. And that's the thing about whakapono. It holds kōpapa like aroha in front of you at all times and asks you to interpret your world according to that and to make sure that you behave in a way that upholds that. Hey, that's why, you know, our, our, our kaikōrero on the marae will, they'll reference scripture all the time mm. without even knowing it, eh? Me, me aroha koutou tētahi ki tētahi, you should love one another. Well, guess where that comes from? It comes from the Bible. When, when people say, ko te mea nui, ko te aroha, um, that comes from the Bible too. Ehika, even when people say, ko te, te kaya te rangatira he kōrero, that comes from the book of Ezekiel when the prophet eats the words of scripture as a, as a metaphor for saying that we should consume truth and make it a part of who we mm-hmm. are. So so it's part of our DNA. And and so I think it's our job to remind 
uh, our people that our ancestors who were more Māori than us, uh, more tūturu than us, saw this whakapono and said we need it. It needs to be part of who we are. Um, and Tairawhiti, Moitūre and co, they called it Te Waire Atahua, the, the beautiful faith. And, and Moitūre is an example, uh, raised in Wharewānanga, an expert in celestial navigation, um, an expert in whakairo carving, an expert in composition. And so when, you know, when he writes his haka Tihei Tāruke, the Tāruke is uh, the crayfish pot, and he says, this is our new reality. We have our Māori world, and we have this new globalised experience, you know, mm. uh, in the form of the British and the others that are here, and in the forms of the whakapono that they've brought. And those things at times are going to be like two crayfish in a pot fighting each other, but they, they are contained in the one vessel, and that's what we are now. And we've got to learn to be at peace with, um, with the new world and interact with it, and more than that, control our destiny in the, in the midst of it. So because of these great intellects and, and ministers, we're, our experience of Christianity is, you know, we're not a colonised, defeated people, you know. We're Māori people who took this on by choice and have been able to shape it according to our whakapapa into a new whakapunu. <laughs> 